This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Bay Area Panthers pod. Part of the 95.7 The Game podcast network. Where you'll find analysis, news, notes, and more about the Bay Area Panthers of the Indoor Football League. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Grandy and Evan Giddings. Yes, it's time for another episode of the Bay Area Panthers pod. Mark Grandy, Evan Giddings with you here, part of the 95.7 The Game podcast network. Episode number three, this time the first one after a loss for the Bay Area Panthers. Evan, as they go on the road for the first time uh, in their franchise's history, and they suffer... Uh, a tough one at the hands of the Northern Arizona Wranglers. Evan, we'll talk about this game, break it down, take a look at at the um, IFL as a whole, perhaps, and, and focus on a couple of players on the offensive side uh, for the Bay Area Panthers throughout the episode here today, Evan. Uh, but first of all, uh, welcome back to the pod, episode number three. How you doing? That's fantastic, man. I mean, I know it's only the third week of our season, at least, with the Bay Area Panthers, but... You know, it's it's interesting because you begin the year on such a high and then, you know, you, you drop back, obviously, with the loss of the Northern Arizona Wranglers. But there's still so much promise and potential with this group that it's really difficult to know how to feel like football is a season in any league, whether it be the IFL, the NFL, college, where you ride the roller coaster of the ups and downs. And so it's not exactly like the, the roller coaster came to a screeching halt, but it just took a dip. And so now the Panthers have a chance to respond, to bounce back, and to get back to the point where they want to be, which is in the win column. So I'm extremely excited to see what they have to offer in the upcoming week because, you know, we saw them put maybe not their best foot forward in the win, but they took a step back on the road, which we'll get into and maybe perhaps to be a little bit expected. Um, But I, I think there's a lot going on with this team that is very exciting. And I can't wait to see where they finish because after two games, there's a lot to love. There's a lot to improve. And I can't wait to see where it goes. Yeah, so again, uh, the Panthers, they won their first game in franchise history against San Diego, 38-33. to That was on the 21st of this month, of March. They turn back around just five days later. They play in northern Arizona, uh, Prescott Valley, just north of Phoenix, and they fall to the Wranglers by a final score of 49-20, to the first loss in the history of Bay Area Panthers football. Kind of a strange game, Evan, Bay Area scores first, a short touchdown run by quarterback Corey Murphy. Northern Arizona answers right back to tie the score. 
But wasting no time, the Panthers go right back down the field. Corey Murphy throws a touchdown pass. They take the lead again. And then from that point on, Evan, it was all Northern Arizona. They go on a 42 to nothing run, spending the second, third, and fourth quarters before the Panthers score in the final minute of the game and what was a meaningless score, but still good to see for the Panthers. We talked about it a little bit on the pod last week, Evan. This is the challenge. Opponent aside, you only have five days to prep for a game coming off of a very physical, long game against San Diego. Meanwhile, Northern Arizona had more than a week to prepare for that game. They got to watch Bay Area play against San Diego from the comfort of their homes. It was a challenge from the start, and Northern Arizona had a tough open to their season when they lost, only scoring nine points to Las Vegas. On paper, it's just a tough challenge, and, and that's what happened on Saturday for the Panthers. And it's the first time they got a taste of a real road environment. And I thought, actually, to begin the game, like you were mentioning, Mark, they did a pretty good job at coming out and responding to those punches thrown early on by the Wranglers. The only issue is they just couldn't maintain it. You know, they ended up going 12 rounds, and maybe they won a few of them towards the beginning. You could see some of the fatigue set in from the early week, the quick week. And those five days didn't really give them a huge opportunity to get ready as well as, I mean, I think they would have. But that said, the fact that they were able to come out, they played well at the beginning of the game, they played well towards the end. It's just now putting together an entire effort against a Wranglers team that I also think had a lot to play for, considering not only was their home opener, but they only scored nine points in their first game of the season. So they were a team that was looking to get back out onto the field, that was looking to put up points, and I think the Panthers didn't necessarily have that middle part of the game. They weren't able to respond as well as we saw them do against San Diego. And for a defense that did a fantastic job in game one down the stretch, they weren't able to make those adjustments. And so it'll be interesting to see how they do it moving forward. Yeah, I think it would probably be going too far to say something like a scheduled loss. I don't think it was that, but it is certainly a disadvantage for the Panthers to play it just five days later while the other team had more than a week to prep. Other challenge, I think this kind of leads into what you were talking about with kind of the fatigue and the 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 issues and the the um, how hard it is to play two games in less than a week. It's it's some of the injuries that add up. And I mean, Boss Tagaloa was out. Uh, a couple other players in the defensive line were out. Larry Ross included. Cleveland Wallace in the defensive backfield, he was out. He didn't play. Also, Ricky McCoy got married last weekend. Congratulations, first of all, to Ricky McCoy. Congratulations Absolutely. to, to you Mrs. And, McCoy and to the whole family. That's awesome. But he wasn't there as well. That's tough for the offensive line. Uh, Jeff- Jeffrey Allison was also out for personal reasons. So there's a lot of big names, important players on this team that did not play in that loss. And then you also factor in the fact that their starting quarterback, Corey Murphy, got injured in the first half in that game and did not return. By the way, Coach Bryan has said that he is probable to play uh, coming up in the next game, but that's a challenge for the Panthers. You you add these challenges on top of each other, and you can kind of see how that tough loss, the final score, again, 49-20, to 20, you can kind of see how that did come about. Yeah, there, there's a lot of factors that play into it. There's a lot of factors that play into every single loss and or win, but the injuries are so important to key in on because of how small the roster is. You only have 25-man 
Week to week, only 21 are allowed to dress. So the fact that they didn't have a few of their primary guys, I mean, Ricky McCoy out for obviously positive reasons, but that was a guy that ended up having to step up on defense at the end of game one during that win, who was playing some nose guard. And, you know, guys are playing both ways when people are coming in and out for certain series. So there's a lot you have to deal with in game, and it makes it even more difficult when you don't really have that two or three deep option to go to as a coach. You're trying to not only figure out how you're going to respond to a team that continuously puts up points, but how are we going to make sure that our guys are in the best position to succeed? That's something that head coach Kurt Bryan, along with his coordinators, are going to have to figure out. Really, they did so on the fly. And so, like you mentioned, you don't want to call it a scheduled loss, but they were kind of behind the eight ball to begin with and then didn't come out and play a perfect game that was demanded of them in order to walk away with the win. And it kind of seems like Northern Arizona did. So, you know, there, there, there's a lot that factored into it. Hopefully the injuries aren't something that lingers on. And it didn't seem like Coach Bryant was making a big deal out of who might be missed or, you know, might be out for an extended period of time. So... As these guys are able to get back into a rhythm, continue to get more reps, uh, I expect them to build really the important part to me of this season, especially early on, which is chemistry. That hasn't been necessarily afforded to them because of the can, you know, the, the quick mini camp or the quick training camp, so to speak. And these guys are still getting used to each other as well as the league that they're playing in, which is brand new. So there's a lot going on. Yeah, and I think to your point, Evan, you look at how the injuries affect this team I mean, they had so many injuries, especially on the defensive front. They brought someone who they had in camp but didn't sign to the 25-man roster to start the regular season. They signed him and and brought him up and Eddie Hamilton to play in that game in Northern Arizona. So you're adding not a totally new face, but a guy that hasn't been around the team nearly as much over the last couple of weeks and, and throwing him into the mix. And he played a decent amount of snaps. And I think you get to this point in the season where you've played a couple games and now the test really is how well did the coaching staff pick the roster that you have? Because as you mentioned, it's not just about picking the 25 best guys. That certainly helps. But it's it's also about thinking about versatility and who can fill in here and who can fill in there. You mentioned Ricky McCoy playing offensive line and defensive line. We saw that happen with a number of guys in, in week one or in their first game and in, and in their second game. So it's not only just how good your players are, but it's how many different positions can they play and can can they survive playing multiple positions over the course of a whole season or even just a couple of weeks? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple guys that play, I know this is a foreign term to a lot of people, play three ways. Like Derek, uh, DJ Calhoun is out there on special teams. He's on defense. He's in the jumbo packages on offense. There's, there's a lot of situations where you need to be versatile. And I think that to, to your point about camp, Mark, like, there was a lot of difficult decisions that had to be made to get down to the 25-man roster. I mean, we saw them on media day in their first scrimmage when they had about 35, 40 guys, and they had to make sure that they were down to 25 and then down to 21 on opening day. There's a lot of talent that they had to leave off, so it's very fortunate that a Hamilton can step up and come in. But, you know, the defensive coordinator, Derek Shashre, was kind of joking about how he had to find guys that can do multiple things, and it's not an easy call to make when someone is extremely talented but isn't going to be able to make the roster. So the fact that they have versatile options and then maybe some of the injuries fall on those guys makes it even more difficult to not only say, hey, we got to replace this offensive lineman. Hey, we got to replace this offensive lineman and defensive lineman. Yeah. And there's certain packages where you just don't have those options. Yeah, and it, it seriously limits 
you know, what else you can do in other places on the football field based on your filling needs in one place. It's taking away from what you can do uh, other other places. And I, I think back to when we were at that, uh, that that media day, which was the Friday before roster cutdowns, which they did that weekend. And every coach we talked to just said, this is going to be a tough weekend because you have to make so many tough calls. And they do have guys like Eddie Hamilton who who played against the Wranglers. They have guys who aren't on the roster, but are, you know, in the area and still hanging out, you know, and that sort of thing who are ready if need be. But they're not officially a part of the roster. And there's no guarantee that they're going to be around if called upon. So you're kind of at, at a state of just one, hoping that you can stay healthy. And two, if you don't, who knows what your options are going to be. And that, and that's kind of the, the curse and the blessing of this league is there's, as a player who obviously wants to continue their career, that wants to move up, and being in the Bay Area is a great opportunity for that with the San Francisco 49ers in your backyard. I, I've discussed this with, with the special teams coordinator, John Schaefer, also handles the offensive line. There are guys that could potentially get looks at the next level, but in order to do that, you have to not only be available, but you kind of have to be agile and versatile. You have to be able to do different things. And so, you know, it's it's the beauty of the league that you have an opportunity and a stage, really, to demonstrate all of your abilities. But then if you're not available, it's even more of a detriment or, a, you know, kind of a, a crutch to your team when you're not out there. So there are a lot of players that are all vastly important. Again, not 11 man, eight men on the field. If you're missing one of them, another guy's got to come in who is maybe less familiar, who has less chemistry with a team that's already brand new. And so I, I think that this game this week was one that is hopefully a game and a loss that the Panthers can learn a lot from. And hopefully, I think, carry with them as kind of the chip on their shoulder to say, hey, if we're not where we need to be, this is what could happen. And I expect Coach Brian to communicate that to his coaching staff and then communicate that down to the rest of the roster. Yeah, just a, a few final numbers from that game. Again, uh, it was a tough one, a loss, 49-20 to 20 in Northern Arizona against the Wranglers. The Panthers now 1-1 one one on the season. It was a 42 to nothing run for Northern Arizona. Uh, tough there for the Panthers in the middle part of that game. They started well, ended well, but uh, the middle part was all Wranglers. A few numbers here unofficially. Murphy was good passing the ball for the short time he was in. He did go down with a minor injury and did not return. He had a touchdown pass. Uh, Joe Newman came in after that, ran the ball somewhat effectively, had a struggle throwing the ball. He did throw three interceptions, but you're thrust into a game like that when maybe you weren't expecting to play most of the game. It's a tough situation for sure. Overall, the Panthers didn't rush the ball too well. 18 carries, 61 yards, did score twice. One was a garbage time score late, but I think uh, obviously you want to score more than than just 20 points, but the defense as well let the Wranglers get going. But as we already talked about, there were so many players that were out. It's hard to lay blame really on anyone, and it's kind of just a, a confluence of factors led to that Northern Arizona win, and it's one certainly that uh, Bay Area Panthers want to put behind them. They're now 1-1. One and one. They, have the, uh, uh, they have Las Vegas coming in uh, Monday of next week. You'll hear that game on 95.7 The Game. We'll preview that game in just a little bit, Evan, but 
We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I wanted to take a chance, like I mentioned earlier, to dig into some of these offensive players a little more in depth right now because this podcast is, is more of an opportunity for us to discuss in a longer form, this team. We don't have that much time on the broadcast because we have to talk about the game and the action itself. Let's focus here a little bit on the starting quarterback, Corey Murphy. We certainly hope that he is all right and hope that he can uh, and and will play against uh, Las Vegas coming up on Monday. Corey Murphy, 6'1", 220 pounds. He's been around. He's an older guy in the IFL in his younger 30s. He's a local guy, though, from Santa Clara, playing in his backyard down at the SAP Center, and he has some IFL experience in his past, Evan. Yeah, last year went 4-1 and one with the Tucson Sugar Skulls, and a guy, like you mentioned, who's you know, kind of been around the block, still trying to keep the dream alive, and, and I think a very valuable piece of this Barry Panthers football team because he brings the experience and kind of can help fill in gaps for a lot of the younger guys, as well as some of the maybe the other veterans on the offensive side to be able to kind of butt heads together and figure out the best plan of attack. You know, obviously, he, he went down in the first half of that game and and. Newman had to step up for him, but Murphy is a guy that I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing throughout the year because even though he's been around, he hasn't necessarily had the opportunity to s- slide into a starting role and to know that he is going to be the guy for you know potentially 14, 15, 16 games for a season. And I think when you have that confidence in your back pocket, you already have the the poise, the leadership. And we, as we've seen, the physical ability of Corey Murphy uh, with his big arm and, and very physical running style. So I'm really looking forward to see how he is able to lead this team and grow into the quarterback that they need him to be. You know, you, you can talk about record, you can talk about stats, but I know in, in game one down at the SAP Center when, you know, they're kind of rolling with the hot hand, Murphy started out, then Newman was coming in. But it felt different when he was in the backfield, especially down late when they were trailing by double-digit points. You kind of felt a little more at ease. And if we're feeling like, like that in the booth, I can only imagine what they're feeling like on the field. To know that you have a guy who's been there and done it under center, 
And he did do it. He ended up bringing them back from down double digits, and he did a fantastic job of making sure, at least from what we could gather, that the rest of the offense understood its goals, understood the game plan, and he's kind of starting to find his his safety blankets. He's starting to find the guys that he's going to gravitate towards as a play caller and hopefully is out there you know, with, with minimal injuries. So Corey Murphy is a dude that, you know, it's just kind of seems like a pro's pro from a bird's eye view. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does this year and how he is able to grow as someone who is kind of the big brother of this Barry Panthers offense. Yeah, and you talk about kind of the presence that he adds back there, how, how you kind of feel more at ease when he's there under center because he is a veteran. He's been around the block a bit. I think you, you look at that moment in the home opener against San Diego where he rushed for the go-ahead touchdown in the final minute. Those are the kind of moments that, as a team of people who have been around each other for a while now, but but still are relatively new to each other, those are those kind of moments that stay with you for the course of the season. And those are the moments where you're like, I, that that lineman is wh- why I scored that touchdown there. He blocked and he allowed me to get into the end zone. Those are those kind of moments that bring teams together. And you you can see how a moment like that can kind of be the beginning of you know, a relationship developing further and and the team playing better as a result. Something like that can't have that big of an impact. And we talked about it last week on the podcast and on the broadcast during that San Diego win. The passing game wasn't, I think, nearly as good as the Panthers wanted it to be. But you saw Murphy come out against Northern Arizona, completed his first five passes, including a touchdown, ran for a touchdown as well. Looked like he was playing much better, especially through the air which is why you just feel so bad he went down with that injury. And again, as far as we know, it is minor, nothing to be too concerned about. And we certainly wish the best to Corey Murphy, but you feel for him. He got into a rhythm passing the ball. And before you know it, he goes down and he doesn't return. Yeah, he he looked like a guy that knew he could have played better the previous week. And you see that from athletes everywhere. You have a down game, maybe as a basketball player, your shot's a little bit off. You're not finishing at the rim in football. You're not hitting those gimmies that are five yards out. In baseball, you take a fastball down the middle in an 0-2 count. You know you should have swung at. Like, Corey Murphy looked like a dude that was out there and was going to make sure that he did not regret the passes that he threw. And you know, to see him go down was obviously unfortunate, but also from the small sample size that we gathered and hearing that he's probable for this week, I'm really excited to see what he brings to the table for a second home game because during those first couple of drives, he looked like, along with the rest of the Panthers, mind you, a team that was playing in their first game in front of a new crowd in a new league. And even though he'd played for Tucson the year before, there was definitely some jitters there. So he looked like he kind of shrugged them off against Northern Arizona and hopefully can return to that first few series form that we saw on the road this upcoming week against Vegas. Yeah, we certainly wish him the best there. And we'll, of course, have that game for you Monday, 6 o'clock, 95-7 the game. Myself, Mark Randy, and Evan Giddings will be on the call for you there. Let's move on to another player on the offense, Evan. We, We will talk about Joe Newman perhaps next week on a future episode. I don't really want to put the two quarterbacks back to back. I don't want it to seem as if it's Murphy against Newman because it's not. They're both playing together to help this team win. Let's go to the wide receiver core for a moment here, Evan. I think one of the more interesting stories on this roster is Cameron Pleasant, standing at six foot two, 220 pounds, a tall, quick, athletic, and strong receiver. 
one of the guys, there's not a ton of them who's not from California or the Bay Area. There's so many players that are from California and the Bay Area. Cameron Pleasant is from Detroit, Michigan, and he originally attended Central Michigan before coming out to Caprio uh, College in Aptos. And he was perhaps the best receiver at the community college level. He was just absolutely incredible. And the cool story about him, Evan, is that he was kind of a late addition in you know the preseason when the Panthers were looking to set their roster, and he beat out handfuls of other receivers to make this roster. And he didn't have a catch in the first game. He had a few against Northern Arizona just a couple of days ago. Uh, but watching and, and you know, kind of learning about his path to the Bay Area Panthers, it's pretty fascinating. Yeah, he was a guy that you know, to put it bluntly, they took a they took a chance on. Like the OC Kerry Smith told me before they even made those cuts that you know Pleasant was going to be a guy, but they weren't really sure. And you know, he's kind of we're giving him first first team reps, but you know, he's he's just got this knack. Like he's just got it, and to have that in your you know, your weaponry as a wide receiver is fantastic. Unfortunately, it maybe doesn't have the numbers yet to kind of back up what we're discussing here. But for a dude to beat out nine people in front of him to win the starting job, and he was arguably the the number one wide receiver entering week one, is inspirational. And so to have him on the team, again, there's a lot of guys, you mentioned Murphy, he's kind of an older leader type a veteran uh, Pleasant is absolutely a wide receiver that plays with a chip on his shoulder, and and I don't think it's any secret that like that's why he plays the way he does. And maybe he's not going to be the possession guy like you know a Crowell Jr., um, a couple of other guys that maybe have gotten some more targets from Murphy along with Newman throughout this season. But Pleasant's the guy that's going to make the spectacular catch because he has been an underdog in many fashions to get to this point, and he's the guy that is going to prove to you that he deserves to be on the field. And so even though he's you know he's a JC All American, he was good at that level. Each and every place you go, you got to prove yourself. And so. I know, at least for me, Mark, we were watching him on media day and even in, in warm-ups before week one, like he's the guy that's going to high point a ball. He's the dude that's going to go over the wall and put his body on the line to make sure that the catch is made to that possession is extended. And I mean, that's all you can ask for from any receiver, nevertheless, one that's already physically gifted, but to have that drive and that effort behind the actual action of what he's doing is is really impressive. And and to me, I, I can't wait to see him start getting the ball a little bit yeah. more, especially down the field. I know they've they've had some success moving the ball kind of you know um, methodically up the field, but he's the dude that's going to make the deep ball catches. And I think once Murphy along with Newman become a little more comfortable in the pocket, he's really going to shine. I think to your point, and this is no knock on any of the other receivers, and, and we'll talk about them in due time throughout the season, I think he's the guy who, if you're a Bay Area Panthers fan, he's going to become one of your favorite Panthers. Because as you mentioned, he's the guy that's going to consistently, I mean, all these players are, it's football, but he's going to consistently put his body on the line. He's going to leap into the stands trying to make a catch. And if you're out at SAP Center, you might catch a Cameron Pleasant every once in a while because he is going <laughs> yeah. to be going into the stands. Yeah, he's going to be going over the wall. And I mean, th this is an exciting receiving core to begin with. Now, We've understood from the first two games that this is a team, and we talked to head coach Kurt Bryan in episode two of the Barry Panthers pod last week, that they're going to be a team that focuses more so on the run. Maybe they want to be a little bit more than pass, like 60-40 run, 
to pass. But when they do have the opportunity to air it out, which is hopefully set up by the running game, you know, kind of maybe a little bit unconventional, but they're setting up the fastball with the changeup, right? They're setting up the big play with kind of the the small chunks. And so to have a dude that can get the ball or that can take the ball deep down the field that can go up over a lot of defensive backs is extremely exciting and just contributes to the brand that is not only the IFL, but hopefully that can be the Panthers throughout the season. You know, they, they've discussed the fact that they want to be up-tempo and exciting and move the ball up the field, and he's going to be a big part of that. Yep. Certainly. All right, let's uh, move on a bit. Again, we'll talk about a number of players, most of them on the roster throughout the season. Don't have time for any more of them right now here on episode three of the Bay Area Panthers pod. Let's turn our attention just briefly here, Evan, towards the league as a whole. Most teams have played at least two games now. A few have played three games in the East. Both Bismarck and Sioux Falls are two and one. And then out here in the West, Tucson's actually only played one game. They're 1-0. They beat Vegas over the, the last weekend. Vegas is who uh, the, the Bay Area Panthers will play coming up on Monday. Again, you can hear that game Monday, 6 o'clock on 95-7, the game. But you're beginning to see the league kind of take shape. Evan, we'll focus here mostly in the West because that's, of course, where the Bay Area Panthers are. Really no surprise, the Arizona Rattlers leading the conference. They're 2-0. Uh, they were dominant in a win over the San Diego Strike Force this past weekend. Of course, the team that uh, the Bay Area Panthers knocked off in their inaugural game in very, very close fashion. Arizona is 2-0. Tucson, again, they just picked up their first win in their first game of the year over the weekend against Vegas. I think those two kind of standing out right now. And then you kind of have everyone else mixed in pretty close to each other. You might have a couple of teams differentiate themselves from the rest of the pack, but that fight for third, fourth, and fifth place could be pretty exciting. It's the wild, wild west. I mean, that's what it's going to be throughout this season, and I, I don't think it's... It, it, basically, the, the way that the west is set up is there's teams that you know are a little bit new. Obviously, you have the Barry Panthers along with San Diego, who we've seen so far, Um Vegas, this is their first year as Vegas well. Vegas is their and, first year, and they do look very good. Yeah. And so, you know, there's going to be a lot of headbutting between teams that are trying to find themselves. But, you know, right now, obviously, Arizona's established at the top of the league. Their quarterback, Drew Powell, is the defending MVP. They are a team that is going to be favored in a lot of those Western Conference matchups. But also, there's kind of some interest because you, you don't really know. What team is going to show up? You know, we have an idea of how much talent is on the Panthers, but you don't necessarily know how that's going to manifest itself in each game. And I think that's kind of the same case with, you know, the team like they saw last week in the Wranglers. It was a team that put up nine points in the first week and then dropped 49 the week after. So there's going to be some highs, some lows. And for, you know, a, a league really that has branded itself on excitement and the drama of it, at least in the eight on eight game. I think you're going to find, you know, not. I don't want to describe it as inconsistency, but you're going to see some weeks where the Panthers look really good and like they could be the best team in the West, potentially better than the Rattlers, who are right now I think have established themselves as head and shoulders above the rest on the Western side. But then there's also some weeks where you're going to see like last week where they kind of get pushed around, get dominated a little bit. Um, but it also means that they could bounce back equally as strong the week after, and that's what they're going to be looking for against Vegas. Yeah, nature of the beast in the IFL, especially with so many new teams. And then you throw in the extra wrinkle of teams coming off of the COVID difficulties. I think it really kind of muddies the water overall. 
Teams like Arizona and Massachusetts, those are the two teams that met in the United Bowl, which is the IFL's championship game last year. Those teams both undefeated, although, of course, Massachusetts has only played just one game this year. They're playing well. Bismarck, kind of a surprise. They're 2-1. and one. Sioux Falls, generally a very good franchise. They're 2-1 and one as well. Of course, that all is on the eastern side. Evan, we've got a few minutes left here in the pod this week. Let's uh, focus a bit specifically on the Vegas Nighthawks. That, of course, is who the uh, Bay Area Panthers play next time out, April 4th, 6 o'clock. You can listen to it on 95.7 The Game. Vegas, as we briefly mentioned just a couple of minutes ago, Evan, they are also in their first year of existence. They were not supposed to play a couple years ago like the Panthers were. They were originally announced last year, getting ready for this year, and they got off without a hitch because COVID didn't happen like it did for the Panthers a couple years ago. They won their opening game, as we've mentioned here on the pod a couple of times. They beat Northern Arizona in their home opener 22 to 9 a couple of weeks ago. They followed it up with another home game against the Tucson Sugar Skulls. They fall in what was a really exciting game, 48 to 39. It was back and forth until the very end. This is going to be a challenge for the Bay Area Panthers. This is an offense that put up a lot of points in the Vegas Nighthawks, 39 in a loss last time out and they held Northern Arizona, who just put up almost 50 against the Panthers to just nine points in their first ever game. This is going to be a challenge for the Bay Area Panthers. A good thing that they're back at home. It's a good thing they're back at home, and it's also a good thing that their opponent is heading on the road for the first time. I think they might get a chance to surprise Vegas, and so I'm looking for a strong start from the Panthers, especially coming off of a, you know, not demoralizing, but tough loss, a game that they felt at least for the first quarter, like they were in. They kind of got away from them a little bit. So I expect them to bounce back and hopefully build off of what they started in Northern Arizona, which was a nice passing attack, balance with the run, and then making sure that, again, the emphasis, at least from the offense that we've heard from the Panthers, has been read and react, right? A lot of response, trying to figure out how to use the motion man to move the quote-unquote chess pieces of the defense. And so now that they have a little more tape on their opposing teams, I think that they're going to be a little more prepared. Uh, And we saw them be prepared last week against Northern Arizona. It just didn't necessarily work out throughout the game. Of course, injuries played a factor in that. But hopefully having somewhat more of a full roster against Vegas, I think they'll be able to do a better job at reading and reacting and hopefully doing what they did against San Diego, which was kind of using the first three quarters to get settled in before finally locking in that game plan. And Vegas is a team that's that's new as well that I think possibly could be one that you know comes in a little wide-eyed. And the SAP Center, as we as we saw on on week one on March 21st, you know, it was a great environment. The fans really got into it. And I think also with the second game at home, too, now fans know what to expect from the Panthers. And so hopefully is a raucous environment and one that can throw the Nighthawks off of their game. And, uh, you know, again, first road game of the season is is never easy. Like, it's it's one that at least you have an idea of what's going to happen. But until you get out there and you finally get punched in the mouth, you don't really know. Yeah, and not only the first road game of the season, but the first road game in their program franchise's history. Yeah, you know, of course they have some veterans on their side that have been here and have seen the league a little bit, uh, but there's nothing like those in-game reps. And for a a team in its first year as a franchise, as we saw with the Panthers, there's going to be some some obstacles that they need to hurdle. And so hopefully the Panthers are able to shut them down 
and walk in with a game plan that is balanced. Hopefully they get some guys back and hopefully they're able to put forth their best foot. Yeah. Well said. Uh, a couple interesting notes here for the Nighthawks. Uh, they started Dalton Sneed in their first game at quarterback. He's from Montana, but he was not on their active roster in their second game. That loss against Tucson, they instead went with Jalen Henderson from Boise State. Henderson did play a bit in their first game that win against Northern Arizona, even though Dalton Sneed did start. So we'll keep an eye on the quarterback position specifically for Vegas. Again, Jalen Henderson, kind of the uh, the quicker athletic runner, but he he threw the ball really well over the weekend against Tucson. And then they have some very, very impressive wide receivers, perhaps most notably KD Cannon. He is explosive. He had three touchdowns in the first half against Tucson. He is going to be a handful uh, for the Bay Area Panthers uh, defensive secondary and you got to hope. I'm sure that defensive coordinator for the Panthers, Shashere, is hoping and praying that he has uh, some better defensive back health because they might need it against this passing attack. No, no doubt. And I think it'll help to get some guys back on the line because at least from what I could gather through these first two games, you know, the Panthers are, are going to rely on winning in the trenches. That's uh, key to success in, in any football game, but especially on the defensive side, I thought that their strength was really how they're able to manhandle the opposing offensive lineman. I mean, there's not much you can do defensively as far as stunting or twisting. That's off the table. And so it's pretty much just one-on-one, you against the lineman. And I thought for the most part, the Panthers did a good job in both game one as well as early on in game two of winning those one-on-one matchups up front and giving their defensive backs enough time to you know, hold on to a guy or stay in front of him for a few seconds while they get to the quarterback. Unfortunately, that didn't happen later in the game. And so this is really going to be the first team that, at least from what I can gather, is pass heavy. And so when they're moving the ball through the air, they may need more time to go deep. And the Panthers were hurt a couple times in their in their first game of the season on big plays. Yeah. It was really all or nothing. They did a great job of stopping teams in the run, or they gave up a deep ball or a deep run. So they're going to have to try and limit those chunk plays against an explosive team like the Vegas, the Vegas Nighthawks and against a passing attack that you know so far this season has notched seven touchdowns and has done it primarily through the air. Yeah, should be a lot of fun. Again, that's coming up Monday, April 4th, 6 o'clock. You can hear the game on 95.7 The Game. It'll be myself, Mark Randy, along with Evan Giddings on the call for that one. We are really looking forward to it, and we hope that you will join us. Well, that'll do it here for Episode 3 of the Bay Area Panthers pod. Thank you so much for listening to this one. We'll be back again next week. We'll recap the Bay Area Panthers and the Vegas Nighthawks. We'll look ahead to week number five. All of that is coming up next week again here on the Bay Area Panthers pod, part of the 95.7 The Game podcast network. Once again, thanks so much for listening. We'll hope you'll tune in Monday, April 4th, 6 o'clock. Bay Area Panthers against the Vegas Nighthawks on 95-7 The Game. For now, though, this is Mark Randy and Evan Giddings signing off. This is the Bay Area Panthers pod. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bay Area Panthers pod, part of the 95-7 The Game podcast network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. 
conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.